Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. This is Kelsey Zeiser. I'm a senior editor here at Light Reading, and I'm joined on this podcast by Max Silber, VP of Mobility and IoT for Mettel. On this show, we'll discuss Mettel's IoT initiatives with the City of Phoenix and also Brosnan Security. In addition, we're also going to take a look at the impact that COVID-19 has had on Mettel's IoT business and how operators can generate revenue by providing managed IoT services to customers. We'll do that right after this break. This episode is brought to you by Avast, global leaders in digital security for network operators. They can build a safer digital world for your customers and their families. Discover more at avast.com slash partners. That's A-V-A-S-T dot com slash partners. So welcome to the Light Reading Podcast, Max. It's good to have you here. Good to be here. I appreciate you having me join today. Yeah. So before we get into the meaty part of our podcast, I'm just curious, are there any shows you've been binging or books you've been reading that have like helped you stay strong during this quarantine? Yeah, so it, that that's actually a really good question. So as far as shows, <laughs> I'd say pretty much any content available on Netflix or Amazon. I think I've finished <laughs> right. all of them at this point, uh, mainly to just maintain my sanity. Um, as, as far as books, I actually just ordered one that I saw on the Today Show this morning, and it's, it's something around um, how to think like a monk. Which, which is interesting. Again, oh. it's, it's psychological, how to kind of maintain your sanity when you're when you're basically ready to lose it, because uh, at some point school <laughs> might get canceled and my three kids will come back home and I'll we'll oh, have no. to kind of do that shuffle all over again. So I figured at least I should take this opportunity to try to learn how to think like a monk. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah, I, I'll have to look that up because that... Um... I don't have kids, but this has been, you know, an interesting <laughs> times to live in. So I, it sounds like that could be helpful to anybody. Um, so thanks for the for the book for sure. recommendation. Uh, <laughs> so getting right into it, I uh, wanted to talk to you today a little bit about some of Mettel's IoT projects that you have going on. Um, I know you all are working on some smart cities initiatives as well. Uh, so let's take a look at what you're doing with the city of Phoenix. How are you using IoT to help the city of Phoenix meet its goal of zero waste by 2050? Yeah, so city of Phoenix, certainly one of my most interesting and favorite projects, even though I love them all. This this one was very unique. Uh, if you're not from Phoenix, you should probably know some some fun facts. The first is City of Phoenix or Phoenix, Arizona is the fifth largest city in the U.S. I actually didn't know that before I started going. I had no idea. So, yeah, it's always I like to kind of list out and bullet point all the fun facts. Uh, When we first met with them, uh, we were we were really engaged for uh, figuring out a way to introduce automation into their very large fleet of vehicles uh, all around all around the city, all around the the population centers. I, I started asking some basic questions like, why do you have so many vehicles? And I started getting some very interesting answers. Uh, the first is that uh, the Public Works Department of the City of Phoenix actually manages 270 million gallons of tap water 
and treats 135 million gallons of wastewater every single day. Wow. So I said, okay, now I understand why you have so many trucks and vehicles. Um, and, and then yeah. they said, well, there's this other thing we do, which is we also service a population of 1.6 million people. And I said, again, I'm not in public works. What does that mean? Um, and the answer was, do, do you get your garbage picked up at your house? And I go, sure, three, three days a week. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I said, exactly. We have to do that for 1.6 million people. So uh, the concept of, of the project was, again, how, how do you reduce uh, waste? You know, how, how do you make mm -hmm. it better? How do you make it more efficient? And a lot of that has to do mm -hmm. with just um, improving the efficiency uh, of, of the vehicles out in the field by automating the entire process of knowing the location of the vehicle, uh, knowing how to mm -hmm. monitor things like fuel usage and route efficiency for for maintenance scheduling. When I when I say things like fuel usage, you know that sounds very techy. What it really means is is the driver kind of gunning it off the light and then hitting the brake really hard. <laughs> Let's get that yeah, trash. This, I mean, this is we talk about IoT, but I always kind of try to bring it back into. There's a reason why we need to monitor those things. You know, is the driver taking a turn with a garbage vehicle at 35 miles an hour, you know, doing a full L-shaped turn. Th those are, you know, those are other areas where, you know, now you could start to cause damage to the infrastructure that causes uh, more money and more waste. But ultimately, you want to be able to do things like when a customer out of one of the 1.6 million people call into the city and say, hey, nobody picked up my trash this morning. The city has to actually be able to show proof of pickup. So they have monitors and cameras on those vehicles to show that they actually ran the route. And if in the case that something happened and the, the vehicle didn't go through the route, they can quickly choose the closest uh, vicinity vehicle and send it to do that pickup, just as a simple example of if somebody forgot to pick up your trash. And all that really translates into much better uh, fuel usage, much more efficient way of using the vehicle. And ultimately, that also means uh, better maintenance of the vehicle, which keeps it from just burning fossil fuels over and over while it's either idling or stuck in traffic. So a lot of the uh, the original, what I call the phase one, which was about 50% of the total vehicles of the city of Phoenix, somewhere around 3,600, 3,700 vehicles, was really just meant to inject that technology into the vehicles and then solve, if it wasn't complicated enough, solve another problem, which is in, if you've ever been to Phoenix, there's a lot of mountains. So as the vehicle's moving around, it's actually losing coverage with the connectivity, with the LTE connectivity. So, so we actually installed a solution we have called Single SIM, which is a, a SIM that roams at all time and picks the best carrier depending on where you are. And if you lose coverage, moves to one of the other four major carriers in the U.S. to keep that data flow moving. And that solved a significant problem for them because as they were coming around that mountain and losing uh, coverage on uh, carrier A, they were able to quickly switch to another wireless carrier and continue that data flow, feeding it back into their network operations center. That's very cool. All right. So that City of Phoenix um, case study sounds really interesting and, you know, definitely a lot of moving parts. And I think we talked about the single SIM a while back. Um, that was launched maybe a year or so ago. Is that right? Yeah, I think I think at this point it's probably been uh, two years or, or closing on two years. 
And then you have another um, IoT connected vehicle use case that I wanted to talk to you about with Brosnan Security. Can you tell me a little bit about what you're doing with them and their vehicle fleet of smart trucks? Yeah, no, definitely another very interesting one. So uh, Brosnan Security, a security company, uh, probably traditionally one of the most low tech uh, verticals that that's out there. You know, it's guards and vehicles driving around. Uh, but Brosnan really wanted to take a, a, a different uh, a, a different view at how to deliver security services to their customers. And and you may you know you may be scratching your head saying Brosnan Security. I'm not sure I've ever heard of them, or maybe they sound familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, I I always like to use real examples. Walmart. You've been to a Walmart. Most of us have been to a Walmart. <laughs> the the black Dodge Ram sitting outside the Walmart. If you next time you're in Walmart, look at the side of the truck. It says Brosnan Security. So Brosnan provides oh, okay. security services to big box customers. Walmart's a very good example nationwide, and it's it's one of those unique cases where that entire industry is really going through vast digital transformation now, and Brosnan is really doing a, a great job at leading the way. And, and the way they're doing that is not just put by putting bodies in vehicles and having them patrol a perimeter like around Walmart and the parking lots uh, to keep the area safe, but they're, they're actually installing smart technology in all the vehicles. Um, and what that really mm-hmm. is, so, so each one of those vehicles, and, and try not to stare too much at it the next time you're in a Walmart because those security guards, you know, they need business. Uh, but they do have two cameras in the vehicle, one that actually faces the driver. And and that's more about proof of service to be able to go back to their customer. In this case, Walmart is an example and show here's our guards actually doing their job. They're not looking at their phones and texting. They're mm-hmm. actually they've got eyes out on the property. They're doing uh, the, the they're doing the perimeter work and the driving work that they're supposed to be doing to provide the best service. And then the other camera is actually outward facing. And, and that's interesting for a couple of reasons. First of all, obviously, anywhere there's a vehicle, even when the guard isn't in the vehicle, it is recording. So it's watching things happening out in the lot. It's, it's watching certain events. Uh, but the other really cool part when we talk about digital transformation, big deal, right? Bunch of cameras in the vehicle. The, the video feed actually gets fed back into a software that we provide to them as part of a complete managed solution that uses an AI mm-hmm. engine to trigger events. For example, if we see the driver's eyes looking down while they're driving, we know a, there's an AI engine that tells us that driver's checking out their, their personal cell phone. They're not keeping their eyes on the road. Uh, the same thing for the outward facing camera. We can pull feed that looks out at a Walmart parking lot and see two constellations of uh, groups of people coming together. And the probability, for example, of a fight breaking out goes out, goes up uh, exponentially based on the number of people approaching each other. So the initial reaction is it could trigger an alert to say at, at Brosnan Security's national national. Uh, operations center, as well as to the local guard to say, hey, something's going on in the parking lot. Uh, That's important because long term, what that can do is it actually can assess the probability of something that's of danger happening in the parking lot. And it can automatically do things like dispatch 911 uh, to have a police officer do a drive by. So they, they really are engaging and 
using this type of technology to provide a better security experience to their customers. And we've actually seen that in action. There's actually been uh, violent ev events, unfortunately, outside in parking lots in various parts of the country that, that we've fully been able to capture on video because we're looking for certain events using those cameras and because uh, we're able to mm -hmm. trigger that as a recorded event, as an example. And, and that's actually been used by law enforcement to convict as well. So, so it's been it's been it's been a great solution overall, both for the customer and in this case, obviously for Brosnan Security, that's really taken the step forward in incorporating technology and how they provide uh, true security to their customers. And in addition to the security piece, it also sounds like um, do you also have some of those um, fuel uh, management pieces that you talked about with the city of Phoenix and. Um, you know, GPS tracking or geofencing capabilities? For, for sure, for sure. And and in fact, we've had to use those as well. Uh, the geofencing triggers an alert when the vehicle leaves the perimeter, uh, which is really important because, believe it or not, sometimes vehicles get stolen. So when someone steals the vehicle and it leaves the perimeter that it kind of lives in around the Walmart area, uh, it triggers an alert back to the network operations center. We can GPS the, the vehicle's location within an approximation of 10 feet. So dispatch police in case the vehicle was stolen um, or the vehicle's being misused, maybe used for personal use as well, which, which is also, again, helping Brosnan not allow their security personnel to do things that sometimes human beings do. They're misusing an asset, which means that asset's going to need more maintenance sooner. So, and, and of course, it's doing all the other things like looking for hard braking, looking for uh, excessive idling, looking for anything that's going to impact how that vehicle is going to uh, provide a return on investment to the organization that's providing the security service. Right. So it sounds like a lot of security features, but also just um, making sure, like you said, that the asset is being used um, correctly and um, probably also does help with um, reducing some, you know, waste and fuel and um, minimizing the amount of times that they have to, say, service the truck, for example. And um, also think that's interesting that, you know, theft of a security truck is a possibility. I mean, I could I could see, you it's, know, it's a dumb yeah. criminal doing that, I guess. But. You know, it's, it's interesting because it's a dumb criminal because you should never steal anything yeah. that's security or law enforcement. You will get caught. <laughs> The, the second part, of course, is from a, a liability perspective, and no security company wants someone uh, to have access to their vehicles because it, it then sets the stage for mm -hmm. false perception if they drive it to another location and say, yeah, 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 I'm the security guard, I need to go in the back or whatever it is, could, could be a, a potential breach of security. So they take that very seriously. That's why they wire those vehicles in a way that if an event does happen, they could very quickly take action and um, and make sure that 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 you know that vehicle is stopped and then returned returned back into the corporation. Mm -hmm, definitely. Um, so, how do some of these um, IoT projects generate revenue for Mettel? What are the um, and then maybe even looking at the broader industry? Um, why is it important for service providers to invest in IoT and smart cities? I think in general, it's important to invest because we are living in a world that's quickly changing and changing into a completely automated world. And the way you get data 
on a consistent basis from an automated world, whether it's a city or a vehicle or anything else, um, it, it needs to have that uh, consistent flow of data and connectivity in order to provide a better experience and a safer experience to consumers at the end of the day. Uh, you know, for us, from, from an IoT project's generating revenue, I, I think we've moved past uh, an area where customers are just trying to buy specific, what I, what I would consider to be commoditized services. So, for example, we, we are very big in all LTE services. We sell large corporations, all their iPhones with connectivity and their, and their tablets and everything else. Um, in this scenario, traditionally, maybe a, a corporation would go out and they buy software from one vendor for fleet services, and then they'd go out and buy connectivity from another vendor. Uh, but, but that's not the case anymore. The customer expectation is that we would be able to provide everything as a complete managed solution on a monthly basis or, or billing back to the customer on a monthly basis. And, and in many instances, in many deployments, that's exactly what we do. We, we sell them the equipment and then amortize it over the term of the agreement. We bundle in the advanced software, including the AI engines required to deliver this enhanced level of, of uh, service. And then, of course, we bundle in the correct connectivity uh, service, whether you know it's one of the underlying carriers specifically or a solution like our single SIM solution to be able to keep it connected and keep it feeding that software engine. So it takes the customer out of the, the requirement of the business of having to piecemeal all these little solutions together and provide a complete managed solution. And, and I think most carriers or service providers, however you categorize them, they need to always be moving towards uh, providing complete holistic solutions that uh, they can deliver to their customers mm -hmm. end to end or risk the, potentially the consequence of ending up in a scenario where it's just what they're selling is just a commodity and it's really just price mm -hmm. driven more than anything else. Okay. So really delivering it as a managed service that takes some of the, you know, headache away from the customer of the might not have the um, employees or, or skill sets um, to really manage that um, IoT service. So relying on you to uh, provide that for them. Exactly. It, it does take a certain level of expertise. There's no way around it. it and it's very difficult to hire all these uh, specific levels of expertise just to support a single project. Most companies will mm -hmm. do better by engaging a managed service provider, obviously like Metel, but others as well, because they, they not only bring all the pieces together, they bring the expertise to be able to implement it in a way that's usable for the customer. Mm -hmm. And have you seen any impact from the pandemic on some of these projects? Um, has it stalled any momentum? Um, have customers been demanding different things in terms of, of what they want uh, for their IoT strategies or programs? That, that's a very interesting question. So I, I, I wouldn't say, I, I guess it's the vertical shift is, is really what we're seeing, where we saw heavier investments in industries like uh, retail or like energy prior to COVID. Those interest, industries have kind of um, contracted a little bit from their spend cycle versus mm -hmm we're you know we're just blowing up for school based communication services that that some of them are iot driven you know some of them are yeah, yeah so so it's so it's been more of a shift 
Um, you know, I, mm-hmm. I kind of look at it and I say, well, last year we had a really nice year. I mean, we, we did. We had a great year, double digit growth for, for an ever expanding business. This year, since COVID, we're actually up 50% on last year. So has there been an impact? Absolutely. It's been a great impact. Uh, there has been some slowdown. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I say like, mm-hmm. you know, major cities, it's hard to get board meetings together to get approvals when when they're still in the in the process of adjusting and figuring out how to do what they do every day from from their houses or from any kind of remote uh, setup versus how they used to do it when they used to come into, you know, a, a big televised boardroom and the mayor of the city would say, okay, I'm passing this amendment. So there's a little bit of that learning curve that probably slowed down some of the projects for a couple of months. Uh, but overall, I'd say the appetite for IoT is even greater than it was before COVID just because of the need mm-hmm. to have centralized data and be able to access more data from the field through edge devices that are IoT driven to be able to either improve a business or drive a new uh, variation or a new direction for a business. So what would you mention schools, for example, and I know that they've had to, um, you know, just rethink everything with having students learning from home. What's an example of um, where IoT would come into place um, in some of those uh, school use cases? So, of course, you've had some significantly sized school districts around the country, pretty much all the ones in California, San Diego, L.A., San Francisco, and so on, as well as Chicago, um, already announcing that they're going to be 100% remote. They're not even going to attempt to send uh, most of their students into a building. Uh, There's a significant impact there because, number one, it's the law to provide education. So it's not a nice to have when it comes to uh, elementary school, you know, K through 12 uh, education. The other part is you can't just make an assumption that you can give everyone a tablet or a Chromebook mm-hmm. and everything will work great. Uh, th- there's also a, a requirement, it's a legal requirement to provide safe connectivity. And in many uh, of the major cities, if you look at stats, uh, there's a there's a large population si- size that lives in every major city that's actually at or below the poverty line. And that means that the expectation that those kids will have Wi-Fi at home is just not a reality. Mm -hmm. So many of the school districts have uh, been approaching and working with us over the last couple of months to be able to either implement a device that has a fully secure connection embedded in it, which is an IoT connection, um, or complementing existing existing assets that they have, like Wi-Fi-only Chromebooks and tablets, uh, to provide, again, a secure connection. And what a secure connection means is really building a private network so that even if in the user's home, in the, in the student's home, if someone was to open the device up, take the little SIM card out, and pop it into their personal uh, tablet or smartphone to try to access Netflix or try to access Fortnite, you know, very popular, <laughs> very popular uh, URLs in, in these given days, mm-hmm. uh, they, it, they just won't be able to. It'll block them. And that's really how you protect a network and you protect an education. Some school districts have not. I just saw on the news as an example in Connecticut, Hartford, Connecticut is actually on a delayed start because of a ransomware attack. So they actually had to postpone school because of ransomware. Uh, But many school districts implementing this uh, have seen the importance of doing it correctly. And that's really where 
IoT-based edge devices and edge connection points have, have really taken off and, and backfilled th that requirement to be able to provide remote learning either for students that are 100% at home or in many school districts, including my own, uh, are in some kind of hybrid model. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely lots to consider there. And um, I'm hopeful that maybe some of this will help close the digital divide a little bit, just because, um, like you said, it's it's not a nice to have, it's essential for these students to be able to um, have access to learning from home. Yeah, it's it's probably one of the largest problems right now. It, the way I look at it from 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 what's happening this month, it's probably one of the biggest problems in the United States right now is school districts that are either going through that uh, cycle or are challenged because they st they still haven't received the funding that they need to provide it. And, and the reality is, unfortunately, just looking at trends, if there is a surge in cases of COVID. And, and school districts do close down, um, in many areas, they're, they're still not ready to provide that complete 100% remote learning experience. Mm -hmm. um, well, we have just a little bit of time left. So with that, I wanted to just briefly look ahead and see if you had any thoughts on whether 5G, um, do you think it'll have a significant impact on um, some of Mattel's own IoT programs or um, you know, do you think it, it might not have a big impact? What are your thoughts there? So 5G is, you know, it's kind of like IoT. It's one of those terms that means a lot of different things. Right. In the world of, you know, in the world of IoT and, you know, if you have your TV on at any time, there's a 5G commercial on. Number one important to just note, the current 5G network that's being deployed out there is in its current release, release 15, does not have the low latency that's been promised to us all along as, you know, a complete replacement to wireline broadband as an example. Um, I think from an IoT perspective, um, 5G will have impact within IoT when the next release, release 16, comes out that will provide that low latency. And that essentially means that we could start to do some of the computing um, all the way on the edge mm -hmm. or bring the computing back into a centralized location without losing any delay and without impacting the or corrupting the data overall. So yes, 5G will have a significant impact on IoT uh, because we no longer have to run wires everywhere to be able mm -hmm. to provide low latency from the edge devices. But in its current release, the only way I see it impacting is in specific applications like what we just talked about, like school, the ability to provide high bandwidth to students at home uh, without without having a need for you know, running only a minimum number of applications to teach them or a minimum number of video to be able to still uh, maintain a good level of quality as you're delivering that education. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll have to check back in with you um, once that next release is out uh, to see how things have changed. Absolutely. I look forward to that. And I certainly look forward to that release coming out because yeah, that I'm will sure. be I, you know, that will be more impactful to business, I think, than the current release, which is which is basically just faster. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll stay tuned for that. Thanks so much, Max. It's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. It's been a pleasure catching up with you again. I appreciate it. Well, that's it. That's our show. 
Thanks so much to Max Silver with Mettel for his time and insights. And thanks to our amazing producer, Tian Fu, for all his hard work editing the podcast. A big thanks as well to our listeners for tuning in regularly and sharing the podcast with friends and colleagues. If you have an idea for a podcast topic or a potential guest on the podcast, email us at editors at lightreading.com. Please tell a friend to subscribe and thanks again for listening to the Light Reading Podcast. Thanks to Avast for their sponsorship this week. Avast's award-winning security solutions make it easy for your customers to stay safe online no matter how many devices they use. Learn more at avast.com partners. That's A-V-A-S-T dot partners.